Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 13 of Season 5 of our Minute, the daily podcast, where we yippee our way through the 1990 Rennie Highland-directed and Bruce Willis action film, Die Hard 2, Die Harder, One Minute at a Time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today is Niall McGowan from the Bat Minute. Welcome back, Niall. Hey, uh, I would have had a, a, a quip prepared, but there's not much dialogue in this minute, so... Uh... It's me. <laughs> Here I am. Hey, it's a, it's a restricted area. <laughs> so minute 13 begins with John making a request and ends with John trying to show he has some sort of authority. Mm. So yesterday we ended things with John finally finding where Cochran went and he got a uh, homeless sky cap to help him out and open the door and he Tells the sky, he asks the sky cap to open the door. And the sky cap says, Why? And he pulls out his badge and goes, Because I want you to open it. That's why. Uh, <laughs> a little, a little uh, pretentious, if you ask me. <laughs> well, but, but, you know, it could be like, it's like, Oh, goddamn cops just wafting around their power. Just like, That's Oh, true. that shield just gets you whatever the hell you want, I guess. But apparently uh, it does. <laughs> yeah. Um, Oh, at least at least McLean's usually, uh, you know, he's 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 usually on the right side, you know. So that's true, that's true. And then I love how he goes, "Is there a cop on duty around here?" Mm. You know, and do, shouldn't he know the answer to that? Because he just left Vito and his partner. Okay, but maybe yeah. he just wants to get rid of the guy. I guess. No, saying, I but... my my interpretation of it is he's actually looking for a real policeman. You know, mm. not because he knows that that Vito, they're they're airport police. So yeah. You know, the airport police might not be the same as the regular police, depending right. on how you look at it. I don't know. Maybe John doesn't see them as real police. Could well, that's the thing, though. Unless he unless he specifies this guy, he could just show up with Vito again. He's like, God, that's no, true. I'm at a real that's cop. God damn right. you know? <laughs> Well, he says there's the airport police. He goes, then he, like, whispers to him. He goes, go get him. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I did a little bit of, of a search to see, like, what what is the airport police? Like, what's the... The, the difference between airport police and regular police in their city and stuff like that. So, I mean, basically they are the security agency that's assigned to deal with all law enforcement functions uh, in airports. They do patrols, investigations, traffic flow management. Uh, they deal with the airport emergencies, like in this movie. Um, they will, will uh, provide s- uh, safety for air- airport employees. And to passengers, I guess that's why they need a SWAT team there. They sometimes you can find them at security gates and the terminal outside. I guess doing parking things also. Uh, in in some cases, they are branches of uh, larger police agencies, and in some places, they are the sole. They're just just deal with the airport stuff like yeah. that. It kind of reminds you know. me of in uh, you ever see uh, you know Brooklyn Nine Nine. Sure. The and is that one they you know Ed Helms keeps showing up as like he's like a he's like a he's like a policeman for the post office or something. He's like <laughs> whatever they but he seems he has a real swing and dick about it. He's just really into like how important being the the posts the mailman's police squad is. It's like, right. Uh, they kind of treat it as a bit of a joke, but at the same time, it's like well, I get like th- every time I watch Die Hard two. And you get into Dennis Franz's office. I'm just like, holy crap! Is it is it really this big? Like yeah. over here, I, I you might get like you get security 
as you're going through like the baggage claim and stuff, or when you're, you know, putting your baggage claim through to go to the other side to get on the plane. Right. But like, it looks like he's running an entire police precinct. And it's like, it's like such a big office. It's so like freaking like, but at the same time, I've never been to like an American airport. Well, I've I've never never been, been I've been, I've been to many airports, but I've never been to the police area of the airport, which is a good thing. Let's <laughs> just mm. even like particularly in like uh, in uh, maybe in those it's like oh no there's a huge like it's it's in you know Americans nation's capital of course there's a big police presence there because you God God knows who's you know what level of terrorism could be coming in or not you need a like a, a you know this level of police but every time I'm like you really need this much in the in the airport but it is Washington D.C. <laughs> yeah, that is true. That is true. So it could be this is entirely accurate, but or it could be the actual Dulles security squad. You're <laughs> just like, no, it's like me and three other guys. <laughs> like this is nothing like that. I wish my office was that big, but it's nothing compared to it. But yeah, you really Dennis Frost's whole thing too seems it's like all day every day he is just like, oh Jesus, the commissioner's on my neck and doing it. Like, he seems like a real cliched kind of cop as well. About right. like just I'm just trying to keep this thing running. It's like. It feels as if when there's not giant, you know, uh, friggin' jailbreak terrorist in- incidents happening, he's still stressed all the time. So, well, because he's so busy, because he's got so much to deal with there, not just around yeah. Christmas. The thing they do, I guess, because Vito is not pulling his weight, so <laughs> he's. Although and, maybe and... Vito's, he's he, maybe he's too ruthless with the the parking things. He's like, I gotta process all these parking tickets that my goddamn ass <laughs> brother keeps sending my way. God, well, damn. that's the point. If it's his brother. It means that 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 he doesn't really have uh, you know much faith in Vito if if all he's doing is giving him uh, to be dealing with you know parking tickets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you know, Vito he takes pride in his work, I guess, because he's not not no way, not no how is he letting uh, McLean's mother-in-law's <laughs> car go? But that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What 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 do you think are the two largest? police uh airport police uh units in the u.s where do you think uh, they're located i would assume new york just because new i i just assume because new york just always seems bustling to me so i would assume like oh yeah there'd be a lot of people coming in and out so i would guess new york and maybe maybe washington itself because again it is the nation's capital like it could be if, you were, if there was ever to be a threat coming into the com- the country you would think if they were wanted to target something, they'd be targeting Washington D.C. So maybe that's where you you need it. But okay. So first of all, yeah. you were correct that New York is the largest because the New New York they have the uh, Port Authority Police Department, which is you know they they deal with uh, with all the different you know whole bunch of different areas. You know they deal with with JFK and LaGuardia, and they also deal with Newark. Uh, they also the Port Authority deals with buses and trains and stuff like that. That's all together. Uh, so yeah. that's why it's one of the, the that is it is the largest police agency dealing with airports, and the second largest is is the Los Angeles Airport Police. Oh, okay. Yeah, they 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 have uh, you know over 1,100 personnel, 450 police officers, and they deal with uh, you know LAX, and they also deal with uh, the the their other uh, airports there. You have uh, Los Angeles, Ontario, Van Nuys. Uh, Los Angeles, Palmdale, and stuff like that. Oh. They deal with. So, yeah, those are those are the two big ones. I don't see that. My perception of what LA is like is so weird because I just always think of like, oh, like Hollywood, and then you always have to be reminded like, no, LA is a sprawling city. 
but yeah. like most of it's like not that <laughs> like right. it's you know true. there's a lot of derelict areas and stuff it's not the nicest place you know there's obviously beautiful places to live but although there's also like complete dives there too it's like it's a massive massive city but i still i always forget about la it's, I, in my mind i always imagine it as being like oh it's like a small celebrity enclave and then i was like no no millions upon millions of people live there as well who aren't you know could be impoverished for all you know but they still live in la somehow but right it's true so basically you know john at this point tells him to go get the police and then he he opened you know the door is now opened he walks through the fact that uh that that the porter opened it with a key basically tells us that that cochran had a key you know, he didn't need yeah. a code or anything like that. Nowadays, I'm assuming that would all be a code. You'd rarely find that uh, you have to deal with keys in in a mm. place like that. You know, maybe yeah. if, maybe they they would have you know cards that you can swipe or something like that. You know? <laughs> and also, not 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 to uh, to knock the you know the guy's performance, but like now the fact you've told me that it was like a homeless guy they randomly found. As he's doing, like he's doing a good job of like, okay, I'm I'm now looking for a cop, and I see someone, and I walk away. But it also now kind of looks like they had something on like a fish hook, and he's he's like he's like a cat, look wandering, like his eyes are just darting around, like whoa, uh, uh, oh, and then he kind of kind of as if they had something like over, yeah, over, over here, over here, and then he just like walks off camera. And yeah, stuff. But, you're right. There, but anyways, he's doing a good job, but uh, he does a good job. Also, like. It's unfortunate they didn't hire him for other movies after this one. You know, he he does a good job of of looking like a luggage guy who's who's just gotten spooked. Yeah. yeah. And also, did you ever see the movie um, Human Highway? No, a, never heard of it. Neil uh, weirdly enough has Dean Stockwell of we were talking about Quantum Leap uh, the other day. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Neil Young directed weird cult movie. It's got a reputation for being terrible. I actually think it's it's actually pretty good. Uh, but it's and it's got like soundtrack by Devo and stuff like that in it. But Dennis Hopper is there, but it's at the height of Dennis Hopper's drug binges, and he's clearly been directed by Laser Pointer. Like his eye, there's a little red dot that's visible, and his eyes are always following it. And it's clearly because he's off his head, and they're just like Dennis, let's walk over here. And he's just like, uh, uh, he kind of shuffles over, uh, in in in, the, in that direction. It's uh, it's a bizarre sight to hold. Uh, I don't know if you can get sounds, it. Sounds very strange. It's a very strange movie. It's a weird, weird movie. It, again, it has a bad reputation. If you think you can get it on YouTube, though, I think it was, although that was a couple of years ago when I saw it, but. It's one of these things that feels like it's ready for like a, a renaissance. The people will be like, yeah, Human Highway wasn't that bad after all this time. Uh, but the, my main thing is that I remember is like, oh, yeah, Dennis Hopper clearly in a bad place and clearly been directed by Laser Pointer. It's very bizarre to see. Uh, but yeah, this, this, that, that guy's motions kind of reminded me of the, oh, uh, okay, I'll go over here now. But oh, no, and I say that. Because you have Rennie Harlan and Reverend like, like waving him over. This, this is the way. Look over here. Look yeah. in this direction. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, but yeah, but the thing is, he might be like, he didn't need that direction at all. He was just that good an actor, and they just didn't get it. Unless you never know, maybe he went on to Broadway. Maybe he he leapt up to do some stage work from this. But could be, could be. His his exit stage right was so good in this movie. They're like, That's get right. that man on the board. <laughs> yeah. And then we we see John inside the baggage baggage area itself. Lots of luggage and lights and stuff like that. I mean, I love the way that they they make it seem as if this is, you know, a you know they have they have all the the, the flashing lights and stuff like that. It, it's much busier than than or it feels much busier than it probably really is. 
Oh, this this really struck me as some uh, pardon my French, but some movie bullshit. Yeah, is the like yeah we want. I'm sure if you went into these actual places, it's probably like a sterile white room. There's no steam everywhere. That's <laughs> all right. this. It feels it's probably the most boring place in the world to work. But uh, here, here it looks like a it looks like an amusement park. Well, the, the, what really struck me is, uh, and this is weird because it comes out pre Terminator Two. Yes, but it felt as if they were trying to go for like the steelworks at the end of Terminator Two. Like, oh, that was a big climactic scene. Well, maybe it was, like, maybe the vice versa. Maybe yeah, James Cameron be. saw Die Hard 2 and said, that's what I want. That's what I want for my saw, final scene. He saw Robert Patrick doing that, like, a sitting duck. He's like, that's the guy. That's my new Terminator right there. There you go. You see? It worked. Yeah. Could, yeah, but then Robert, yeah, James Cameron was like, I want that scene, but I want it somewhere that's not, you know, a luggage place. I want it somewhere cool. So <laughs> yeah. I'll put it in a steelworks where it's actually there's an actual sense of danger around all the time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. It's, it's like a mixture of that, and I'm also kind of expecting to see like some Ugnaughts running around, because it's got Ooh. a real you know, carbonite freezing Always, always looking for Ugnaughts, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so either, from Ireland, either looking for leprechauns or Ugnaughts, and you know, what what is a leprechaun if not an Ugnaught with a little green hat? You know, <laughs> it's, you're just on the lookout <laughs> for them constantly over here. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I, I do love it as a... I say movie, but I mean that in the most affectionate way. Yeah, possible. of course, of course, because they they want to make it seem so much uh, more pleasant and and you know that they're also trying to distract us, which which yeah, works. Yeah, yeah. You know, I just say yeah, it's just it's much more of like well you know the first one had all kind of cool like oh we got all these buildings of scaffolding and you know uncompleted floors and the the Nakatomi roof and stuff it's all good cool places to have action scenes. And it's like well an airport not so much but if we can spruce it up. If we can add a bit of a kind of, you know, a bit of an atmospheric sheen to it. So, like, what you know, you go into the baggage place. It's just a slow-moving conveyor belt. But like, well, no, wow, they were, like, steam-powered. And it just has jets of steam spilling out everywhere. And there's big, like, emergency lights because it's so damn dangerous. Yeah. Even though the conveyor belts are moving so slowly. <laughs> so. You never know what could be in these things. God, like, you know, God forbid there's a friggin', like, a bomb in there or something. You know, there's always this, like... So I admire them for doing this. And to be fair, later on, you'll cover it obviously in the next few weeks. Yeah, they they get they get some dangerous stuff out of it. You 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 will believe you could die in a uh, in an airport packing area. That's true. That's true. And that that's I think one of the things that they they surprise us with here by doing that. But yeah. but we'll get to that next week. <laughs> but I mean, I I like the way that that they make this area seem so much busier, but empty at the same time. But that's the thing. Like I'm assuming, yeah. um, yeah, Cochran... You think there'd be someone there? That's the thing. Did they have to go? Did they? Is there, is there like a bunch of bodies lying around? That those guys have offs of a load of people? Because it seems like if it's this busy a room, like just in terms of how much is going on, that you would need guys there all the time. You need maintenance people. Correct. You have to make sure that something you know, doesn't fall off. Uh, you know, one of the conveyor belts. Or maybe there is. Maybe it is usually a really dull white room, and because they've taken out the guy. All the emergency lights are on. The machines are short circuiting and spouting steam and stuff like that. So the claim is like, "Holy Christ, somebody must have died in here." Because yeah, I don't know. Someone should be keeping an eye on this place. Right. I mean, and also you you can hear the the conversation between Cochran and and Miller, which is really weird, because first you hear like a little bit of laughing, and then you hear one of them say, "Hand me the wrench," and then yeah. the other one goes, "Going to work overtime," and then mm. th the answer is, "Good idea." Okay, hold that end. Watch it, man. All right, perfect, perfect, good to go. So, I mean, is this 
the the is this real dialogue or is this they're just faking it to make it seem as if they're really working there? Because like last week we were talking about it when when the two guys got out of the van before they went into the church. So they were also saying, grab your toolbox. You know, they were talking normally as if they, they were playing those characters. Mm-hmm. Well, so, we, you know, if, you, if you've got the if you got the script there and ain't in the script, I'm assuming it's it's all it's all improv. Well, know? we haven't it's gotten just... to the script yet, so I, I couldn't tell. Uh-huh. I'm asking what you think about that. Yeah. Uh, but I like I, I know these two guys. We'll, we'll talk about them. But like, you know, there's they're seasoned actors. They know what they're doing. I can imagine them coming out with some some, you know, they've been able to, to spin some uh, improv. On this, you know, but uh, so okay. I'm, I'm choosing to believe they, they, I'm choosing to believe they, you know, they're not like they're, they're a bit better than just standing there going like purple monkey dishwater, you know, like what is it, so trying to come up with things to say. They're like, no, we've, we've invested in the characters and stuff. We know what we're doing. Right. Okay. That's fair. Mm. That's fair. So, um, you know, John is able to quietly come over, get over to them. That's also a little strange here. You, know, you think that these these two guys are doing something very something very nefarious. We don't yet know what they're doing, but what's really strange is is okay, you know they're they're not on the lookout that someone's going to walk by. I mean, you said that it's possible that they've already you know killed two people. Uh, actually, no. If they would have killed them, then later on someone would have said something about the fact that uh, you know we found these two dead bodies or that that yeah. uh, you know these two guys are missing. So apparently they didn't kill anybody. You know, some, uh, apparently this is this is everyone's lunch break. You know, even though it's four it's four o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, maybe that's why Dennis Franz is so stressed. He's just like, "There's literally, uh, it's me. I'm the I am the airport police. <laughs> I've not even got guys in the freaking baggage place working the freaking conveyor belts. I got nothing over here. Could be. It's Christmas week. I'm the only guy working. And my stupid brothers out there have not parking tickets. Yeah, it's true. I mean, we we do see a few other cops, so it's not just them, but they they they're a pretty small uh, force, I guess you can say. Yeah, uh, so like in that in, in that little period of time between Cochran going in the door and McLean talking to the the, the, to the skycap guy, all you hear is a gunshot, and, ah, like massacring people behind the door, and that was like six seconds it took him to get in there. Exactly. Well, no, Miller must have already been in there. Mm. Yeah, you gotta oh, give him okay, credit man. for that. Yeah, maybe he's he's like uh, in um, Simon's girlfriend in. Um, Die Hard the Vengeance. He has like a little hook knife thing. He's been doing like a balletic stab dance in there That's the right. whole time. That's right. There you go. And John like creeps over some of the conveyor belts, and you see him like step over, <laughs> steps on and off, and stuff like that. You know, doing doing a little bit of uh, of of an obstacle course to try and get over to where they are. And then he's mm-hmm. he's looking at the two of them. We see them from a distance that they're they're standing next to an electrical box or something like that. Then John, for some reason, decides to to to, to break uh, break the silence and goes, "Hey, this is a restricted area. What's the matter? Couldn't wait for the sky cap." <laughs> <laughs> and the the and look on their face thing. is great. <laughs> I think the uh, I really thought his line was going to be, "Are you looking for the sky captain in the world of tomorrow?" Exactly. <laughs> They've got a little TV screen showing like a terrible uh, Jude Law, Angelina Jolie movie. <laughs> exactly. Uh, now later uh, later on in the movie, when when they mention the when when the blue light team come comes out and says that they found what these people were doing, they bring like this huge box that they use to connect something. There's no box here, and there's no room for any box here. So I, I don't know where that, that really comes from. That's very strange. Because it's just like a circuit board. Hmm. That's, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, 
you'll get to it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But I'm saying I'm just looking at it from from the perspective of now. And you know, both Miller and Cochran are, are somewhat surprised that they they were surprised. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there's a, this this is now the beginning of the uh, you know the 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 Gruber the Gruber group. They wouldn't have been got unawares like this. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> this is this is shocking that they that they are. It's shocking that they're shocked by McLean coming in. You really yeah. think they would have had, yeah. But uh, and again, particularly because they're a freaking military operation. That's right. What the hell they are should they doing? be they should be on guard a little bit more. But maybe it's just so noisy yeah, there that it's... they couldn't notice it. You know, that's what it comes down to. Well, I would have figured they'd have like more than two of them, and they would have a guy by the door to make sure no one comes in. And you know, we'll get to it next minute. But like, they don't even have like a a, a good like story prepared. exactly right we'll, like, we'll talk think, about we'll talk about this tomorrow <laughs> yeah, yeah we'll, 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 save, save it save it save it yeah we'll save it we'll give a reason for people to want to come back tomorrow and listen to us you know talk about this yeah <laughs> right so, i mean that's all i have for this minute you have anything else for them before we get into the script uh no 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 i think we can uh because we're in, we're in this area now for the yeah. the remainder of the week so yeah, yeah just pretty uh, much yeah. okay so <laughs> The, in the script, they, they describe the area. It says luggage con- conveyor area, dark, clatters and bumps, machine sounds, more bumps. McLean moves cautiously along. He jumps as a large shadow moves nearby, but it's a big case of on a conveyor belt. Now he stoops to go under another conveyor belt. The different tracks intersect and pass each other like freeway off-ramps, discharging luggage from one to another. And then he sees Cochran and Miller. One has his jacket off. Jacket off. And just now dusts off his hands like a man finishing a job. The other one has one of those transceivers in his hand. McLean's voice. Excuse me. They turn. See McLean with his badge in his left hand. His right hidden under the long coat which is draped over his shoulder like Clint Eastwood's uh, serap in a spaghetti western. Ah. This, is a, this is a restricted area. You boys too impatient to wait for the sky caps. <laughs> so... Again, you were right. They they ad libbed the their their work conversation. That uh, yeah, you know. But I I love the description. They make it sound as if you know McLean is showing up like a you know like a the man the man with no name. Yeah, yeah. I was, I'm surprised they didn't work that into the into the movie really because uh, considering it too like Last Man Standing. Yeah. Uh, Bruce Willis literally does play the man with no name. That is correct. <laughs> they gotta remake it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but no one knew I mean, that yet. Maybe, maybe, but uh, I'm surprised I the temptation though. But like, maybe thought it looks. Maybe they did do a. They did a take where it's like, oh yeah, have it kind of like the poncho or something. Right. Like Lindisi would wear it. Like, nah, it looks stupid. <laughs> just, just have him wearing, just have him standing normally or whatever. But wearing your cardigan. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> standing, yeah. kind of like, did a take where he has a cigarette in the corner of the mouth. And, oh, you guys waiting for the sky cap? But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Not to be, unfortunately. No, don't think so. All right, so every Wednesday we have a segment called Off the Beaten Track Airplane Airport Edition, where my guest will give some sort of story, anecdote, uh, adventure, misadventure, something that's happened to them over the course of their life that is somehow related to either an airplane or an airport. So now you have a story for us. Uh, well, I was scrambling to think of stuff because I know. Like I'm, I'm on planes all the time. So I hop back and forth uh, from Liverpool to Ireland like a couple times a year, uh, but it's always very routine flights. So I was really like, oh my god, like what the, what, um, like I'm in them and I'm in airports all the time. But uh, which is even weird because like the city of Derry Airport, 
they're like the lounge area where you're supposed to relax is called uh, the Amelia Earhart Lounge. Ooh. And it's like, why Why would you want to get on a plane? Like, why would you want to think about Amelia Earhart <laughs> before getting on a plane? Like, <laughs> Well, at least you're not flying over the Pacific. Yeah, but it's like, well, you know, get ready because you might not come back. <laughs> <'Cause>... <laughs> That's right. Yeah, but, uh, I know, but you know, several things were like, like, um, like there's, there's been flights I don't remember. Like, we were coming back from um, Brussels one time, and it was just one of those one of those boozy weekends where I just remember on the Sunday I was in Brussels and then waking up in my bed in Liverpool and been like, all right, guess we got back somehow. Somehow I got on a plane and then and, and flew back here. And there was a flight in between, but I don't remember any of it. Um, and there's other times. Yeah. Like I remember me and my friend pursuing, and this will mean nothing unfortunately to you, Rob, but uh, we were convinced we saw the BBC television presenter, Andy Peters. Okay. Don't uh, know who that we, is, we, but we that's were, fine. <laughs> he was this guy who used to host children's TV when we were kids. Okay. And we were stalking him. We were just, it was just, it was 99% probably just some guy, <laughs> but we were like pursuing him like a dog because we were in the airport for several hours. <laughs> so we're just like, oh, yeah, they had to change ourselves uh, somehow. Uh, but, uh, but no, the only one that it's not related to me, unfortunately. But um, whenever people ask for like air- airport anecdotes, I just always think of my brother uh, who. He went on a trip to New York uh, one time when um, back in like 2003, 2004, thereabouts. Okay. And uh, it was uh, pre a time when, you know, uh, nowadays you do everything, you know, you're, you're able to do transactions on card and stuff like that. Uh, and he said, like, yeah, his, um, his last day, he was down to his last dollar. You know, he literally had all his money exchanged, obviously, you know, the, the Bureau of Change. Uh, and he only had one dollar left. And as they were getting ready to go to the airport, he spotted a a peep show, like a sleazy New York peep show, which was one dollar. And he was like, <laughs> "You can go into this place and see whatever they got to show you for one dollar." Uh, and you know, but it, apparently, also it was like in the height of summer, and he was dying like a thirst. He was absolutely so. He's like, "I could spend the dollar on a bottle of water, or I could wait till it get." on the plane where they are obligated to give you water no matter what happens you don't have to pay for it which i don't think is even true anymore i'm pretty sure they'll charge you for the water no they don't don't they charge you for it but they and on some planes you have to actually ask for it they don't automatically give it to you oh no i think about i'm knowing like the uh i'm usually flying ryanair ah okay just ryanair ryanair you gotta put it Right, right now yeah, you got to really go get up and take a piss. So whatever. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They literally at one point they were considering putting like you know you know on buses they have the little hooks you hold on to. Yeah. They were going to like yeah we're going to just have them and people will add in more people to standing on the plane <laughs> and stuff. It's like oh we'll make more money that way. It's like isn't that a safety hazard? No, it'll be fine. Who cares if people die? It'll be it'll be fine. Uh, but yeah, so he uh, he did he, he then went like well you only live once and decided to go for the the sleazy New York peep show. Uh, and apparently was so depressed <laughs> upon leaving that <laughs> he just had to walk out after like 20 seconds because he was like, this is grim, man. This is my his last memory of New York is seeing this. Uh, and he walked out and there was like a guy, like a janitor with a mop ready. And he went to walk in and he's like, no, 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 I didn't do anything. Don't worry about <laughs> it. Because <laughs> 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 uh, a proper like taxi driver kind of like that. Yeah. That, kinda, that was the vibe of leaving New York he had. Wow. And yeah, then he yeah, spent his last dollar on that and then got the the gasping for something to drink they got on the plane. But eventually, yeah, they 
for whatever it is, like a 12 hour flight or something. He's just like, yeah, for the love of God, give me some water. Uh, but yeah, whenever someone thinks of like an, air, an airplane anecdote, that's my, that's the one I would think of. Because all my ones are just like, well, I'm on planes all the time. But tragically, nothing uh, nothing all that exciting ever happens. But, uh, nope. But I'm, I'm, I'm very I'm very efficient with it. Like I've, I'm particularly too, so I'm down to like, I'm, I'm a one bag guy too. Like I can't be bothered with, I never take things that have to go through the baggage claims or anything. I'm just always like, no, just one bag that fits in the overhead compartment. I can't be bothered with like going and collecting stuff and waiting around for the conveyor belts. I'm just, I'm, I'm down to like the most efficient flyer I could possibly be. Well, because you're, you're, no you're concerned about what's going to happen tomorrow. You know, you might lose your, your, uh, your bag because people are getting into a fight in the middle of a luggage. Well, yeah. 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 I mean, we'll get to that. Yeah. Well, it's going yeah. up now. Cause apparently like, there's gonna be some dis- disgruntled letters coming into Dulles Airport uh, within the the winter of 1989. Yeah, we've established it takes place in '89 because the the plates on the car that gets towed at the beginning are, are expire in '90, expire oh. in October '90. So therefore, it must be that this takes place the year before because I doubt that. Holly's parents would be, you know, driving on a car where the plates have expired. I don't know. You know, it depends how old they are, I guess. Uh, and maybe, I mean, maybe that's why, you know, maybe John McClane was getting on those. Like, you need to get these plates changed. No, screw you. And then, like, look what happened. Look what happened. You know? <laughs> it got towed because the plates were, 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 uh, needed to be renewed. There you go. Yeah. I can imagine there would be just like, uh, well, you know, your your car got towed. Just like, I did tell you. Like, what do you want from me? But I was like, I'll oh, go back to New York. Like, oh, God. Yeah. yeah, seriously. All right. So, Niall, you want to once again tell people where they can find Neil, Niall McGowan? One thing, I'll, I'll mix it up this week. Uh, not this week, today. Because uh, I've been plugging Batman it all week. But I do also have a second show. Uh, me and my friend, uh, my co-host on Batman, it's John. We do uh, Miami Minutes. Ooh. Which is a breakdown of the 1987 craptacular classic Miami Connection. Uh, if people haven't... Are you are you familiar with Miami Connection? Uh, uh, no. Is the thing you no. Come across? no, I don't think Miami, so. Miami Connection is a... Is a, is a brilliant cult oddity uh, of a movie that was made in 87 by a Taekwondo master called YK Kim. Uh, and it uh, played, it played the Cannes film festival. It was made for like 2 million or thereabouts. Uh, such a disaster that like, it just got buried dead and buried upon release uh, sat in uh, storage for about 20 years. Uh, and then the, uh, the Alamo draft house, someone found a copy of it and played it. And the crowd went crazy for it because it's like a crazy kung fu musical about biker ninjas. And it's so sincere in its message to like, oh, everyone should just be friends and get along and all this kind of thing. But also, here's a bunch of guys ripping each other's throats out and there's gore everywhere and stuff like that. Uh, the, like the main actor can always oh, – his accent is impenetrable. No one in there is a professional actor. Everyone's very, very blatantly a bad actor. Wow. Uh, and – and it's uh, but it's got an original soundtrack, and the, uh, the soundtrack is amazing. It's genuine bangers in it. And when they called YK Kim to tell him, like the the Alamo Draft House were like, "Oh, can we screen your movie?" He hung, he kept hanging up on them because he assumed it was a joke. Uh, and now, like they flew him out, and he's played like live shows with the band in the movie. People love Miami Connection now because it's like the room. It's one of those things. It's so bad, it's good. 
but it's got a much more lighthearted and much more sincerely wholesome kind of message about it. Because Room was Room's a very cynical movie. Uh, Tommy was so in the room. Uh, where the <laughs> Miami Connection is just a beautiful, like heartfelt ode to like Taekwondo and friendship and just it's a real cheese fest. But it's so like it's terrible, but it's oh, also wow. brilliant. Uh, and me and uh, yeah, me and John because. A lot of work, you know yourself, you know, Rob. There's a lot of work goes into movies by minutes things. You have all this research and stuff to do. Yes. Uh, we decided because there is literally no one in Miami Connection went on to do anything else. So there's no research to be done. So basically, it's just me and John, no guests, riffing on Miami Connection uh, and having a great time. <laughs> like, uh, so we're mid-run. We only do one a week. So you can catch up with it very quickly. Uh, but it's out like every Sunday, and you can find it on Miami Minutes. Uh, on all your good podcatchers, and we're on, you know, all the social medias under the same under the same name. Uh, much more lighthearted and sort of nonsensical a show uh, than Batman it is, uh, but the, that suits the movie, uh, I can assure you. Uh, and uh, if not, if not to listen to the show, I highly advise people to seek out and try to find uh, Miami Connection because it is genuinely great. All right, great. And while you're doing that, you can rate, review, and subscribe to any podcast you might be using to listen to this show. Finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Movie Rob Minute. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Facebook. Or you can find me on my website, MovieRobMinute.com. So until tomorrow, yippee ki yippee ki If you're fond of sand dunes and salty air, quaint little 